So praise God. Good morning, everybody. It's a, It's been a, a crazy week, but uh, we, we culminate this morning. If you can just go back 2,000 years, it was a crazy week that week. If you were a follower of Jesus, it was a crazy week that week. And lots and lots of emotions. I mean, first first day of the week last Sunday, remember we celebrated the triumphal entry. Boy, everybody was shouting and praising God and the king. Blessed is he who comes in the in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. And then and then just a turn of the table and they're shouting, crucify him, and then the Lord takes the cross that should have been on my back and he pulls it. Uh, all the way, takes it all the way to Calvary, and uh, on Golgotha, he he gives his life. He laid it down. What kind of love is that? Amen? So anybody here grateful for what Jesus did in accomplishing the work on the cross? Woo! Celebration time. So today, so so it was very sad, and if you can just, I want to set the scene going into the resurrection. Very sad, very, very sad and crazy uh, that today is something like that. Uh, but uh, three days later, he comes out of the grave. So then we were rejoicing again. So so it's down and and it's up and it's down and it's up and and I mean, no, it needs to stay up, right? Because he's still alive. I said the church ought to be a triumphant. He's still alive. Men, a lot of messiahs come through Jerusalem over those uh, years. And many militant leaders, military leaders, and uh, many times they thought, this is it. They're going to take care of Rome. and We're going to take care of those scoundrels that are trying to oppress us as God's people, right? And then, and then they would crucify them, and they would die, and they would stay dead. But our Jesus, how many know he's very much alive? <laughs> so I want to talk about the glory of the resurrection this morning. I don't want to keep you long. Uh, but I just want to uh, I, I just want to know, is there anybody here believes Jesus died, was buried and rose again on the third day? All right. Then you're ready. It's resurrection morning. Right. And uh, we find evidences in the Gospels that demonstrate Jesus indeed died, uh, indeed died, really died. It wasn't resuscitated and and then walked out of the grave. Uh, and I'm going to show evidences this morning. Uh, that even if you were a heathen, even if you were an unbeliever, if you were the just incredibly intellectual who who can't seem to wrap your mind around it, you just have to be an imbecile and an idiot not to know. It's really a historical thing that happened. It's not something made up. You can look back in the Chronicles of Time and find evidences. And um, to this day, even the Scripture says. So the Gospel demonstrates it. He came out of the grave. And he said he would. I said he said he would. That ought to have been enough for all of us to praise the Lord. Amen. He told them over and over, I'm going to die. And three days later, I'm going to come out of the grave. But they, they couldn't wrap their minds around it. They just couldn't because uh, because the earthly mind really can't understand the things of God. It's a supernatural thing to come out of the grave, right? It wasn't like Jesus mustered up enough strength in his beaten, torn body. To come up and come out as a man. I mean, oh, he went in as a human and and uh, 100% God, and he came out 100% God and human. That's hard to imagine, but that's that's the truth. And he said he would do it, and he did. And even if you are uh, a non-believer today, you cannot deny the evidence. What happened that Sunday morning forever changed the nature of our world. And how many glad it changed your life? Hallelujah! What a great testimony. So in Matthew 27. 
the crucifixion took place. Six hours on Friday, Joseph of Arimathea at the end of 27, verse 57, and Nicodemus together, two very wealthy men, claimed the body of Jesus and bury him in a tomb nobody had ever used before. Kind of like that donkey nobody had ever used before. How many know God, sovereign God, set everything up? Everything, even on the cross and every word he said was being fulfillment of Jesus' fulfilling everything he said he would. The prophet said everything was done, even on the cross. He's speaking, fulfilling the word of God. And even in his death, even in his burial, uh, as, as the prophet Jonah, right, he said, I would be like three days, right, as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, so I'll be in the belly of the earth. And so even in his burial, in his death, He's still fulfilling prophecies and speaking the, the will of God. And so they come to claim the body, and, um, and he, he's in a borrowed tomb because he didn't need it except for a couple of days. Amen? Three days to be exact. So if you're looking at a timeline and you're trying to figure out the Passion Week, you've got to understand the Jewish culture and the Sabbath. And so Thursday evening to Friday evening and then uh, he goes into the tomb. But uh, but however you do your timeline, Sunday morning, the first day of the week, was the fulfillment at the end of the three days. And Jesus Christ came out somewhere in those that timeline. And so we, in American uh, chronological time, try to figure out, like this Sunday morning, maybe they went to the grave. And uh, what time did he actually come out? Was he already there? And so... So if you get if you get into the detail and get all lost, I just hope to help you today. I mean, we're not here to complicate it. We're here to simplify it. And the more we simplify it, the more we can glorify. I said, how many know it's not made to be hard to understand? Jesus died, was buried. And three days later, how many know that's the gospel message? And that's why it's called the good news. Amen. So on the third day after the death. Visitors came early in the morning to the tomb, and what what they experienced was an, an eyewitness account that changed the, their life and the world forever. So, what did they find? What were they expecting to find? And so, if we can go back in our mind's eye or try to understand the journey, let's just take a look. The first thing they would have noticed would be uh, all of it was a surprise, right? All of it was a surprise. But you can run the PowerPoint for me because it's not letting me. There you go. So much evidence is given in the scripture to prove Jesus came out of the grave. And so we're taking a look at it. Next slide, please. Taking a look at it. What happened to the soldiers who were supposed to be guarding the body? More importantly, where's the body? If you want to refute Christianity, destroy the whole thing. Just show me the body of Jesus. They couldn't and they will not ever be able to because he's not dead. He's very much alive. And so there's no soldiers on duty. They're supposed to be. Say, Pastor, why is this in evidence? Because they were ordered by Pilate to stand guard by the tomb for at least the first three days. That's in the scriptures. You can read it all through the gospel. And uh, Jesus claimed that after his death, he would come back from the dead three days later. And even the Jewish leaders heard that claim and seemingly believed it more than the believers. How do I know that? Because they went to the authorities. They went to Roman authorities and Pilate and said, hey, that preacher, that that uh, Messiah supposed to be, said he was going to die in three days, come alive. 
And uh, no, we don't believe it, but um, but if you don't mind, would you put a Roman guard there <laughs> and 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 help us to guard it in case in case the disciples come and steal the body? So a Roman guard would be a royal guard would be at least sixteen men, maybe more, sixteen men on watch twenty four and seven, right? Four would stand in front of that which was being guarded, awake and alert, uh, and they would be ordered by Pilate, the governor. So, so they are at work. If the if the prisoner or whatever they're guarding is is escaped or stolen, how many know they're going to be in trouble? It's their job to watch it, to protect it, to guard it. So four would be guarding it, and then the sixteen and all. So the other twelve would be uh, rotating. Uh, shifts, sleeping, you know, and getting up and guarding and then sleeping, and then others would be behind them, and then four would be sleeping, and then they would rotate all night long for three days and three nights. That's kind of the order of the day. But uh, to make sure that Jesus said uh, what was going to happen wouldn't happen. Wow. To me, it believe, it, it just seems to have, to have more idea that that it could have happened. They believed it could have happened more than the disciples believed it could have happened. And so they order this. And to me, that is an evidence. It went to Pilate, Matthew 27, 62 through 66, if we can look at that. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate. And, sir, we remember while he was still alive, the heathen remember more than the church remembers. While he was still alive, how that that deceiver, after three days, said he would rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come out by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception would be worse than the first. It would be worse if he comes alive. It, it will be a major revolution. We'll have, we'll have a major uh, warfare going on in Jerusalem if he comes out. So Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go ahead. Go your way. Make it secure. As secure as you know how. So that's why I say 16, maybe more, right? As secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, and I underlined this. Sealing the stone and setting the guard. So the stone, which was put there by Joseph of Arimathea, and he hewned out the, the rock. It was a, his tomb. It was his. And, and he's a religious leader. And, uh, and now he's starting to get wind. I mean, no, that death and burial... Or whatever that life of Christ, even the death of Christ, turned Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus totally and completely around. And now they are honoring the king. Now they come to believe that he is Messiah. They were smart enough, but how many know that you're not, your understanding of who Jesus is is not enough just to be intellectually knowing? It has to come from your heart. You want to know how I know he's alive? He lives within my heart. You, you might be smarter than me, but I can tell you when I bowed my knee, something happened in my life 40 years ago that forever changed me. Jesus is really real. And that's what happened to them. Gave his tomb to them. And then the guards ordered a rope to be, so they say, make a trench and they roll this big stone, a big stone. We'll talk about it in a minute. And, and they roll it in front of the stone, uh, in front of the tomb and secured it. So 16 men, four men standing side by side, the, uh, guarding the object, 
and the other 12 would, would just be in a semicircle facing inward. Each group, four would, would take turns sleeping throughout the night. But when the women came early Sunday morning, somebody said, death happened on Friday, but how many know the resurrection was early in the morning? They came to the tomb, Matthew 28, 11. There were no soldiers there. Tells us what happened. Behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all things that happened. What? They left the duty? What happened? Why would you leave the duty? The tomb being empty, Jesus being gone. What could they say? Matthew 28, 12 through 15, when they assembled and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell this story. Can I tell you, everybody's got a story to tell. But the story I came to tell is nobody stole the body. Those soldiers were knocked down and knocked out into a coma state. And Jesus came gloriously out of the grave, just like he said. But when they went to say, hey, the body's missing. And, uh, and then the religious leaders said, I tell you what, boys, you tell this story. Basically, lie. I mean, there's a, lie, a lot of lying going on in America. Make up this story that his disciples came at night, stole him while he slept. Really? Really? All 16 of you were sleeping? Nah, you can't tell that story. You'd be in trouble. How I many know either way these boys are in trouble? Sleeping on the job. If the, if the governor, if the governor hears about it, how I many know the governor always hears about it? If the governor hears about it, we will cover for you. So that was it. We will cover for you. I mean, oh, Satan's always willing to cover for you. Satan's always willing to convince you to lie and make up another story or to believe a lie or to exchange the truth of God for a lie. To tell you that maybe this or maybe that or maybe this could have happened or that could have happened. I mean, oh, it happened just as the Lord said it happened. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go ahead. And when, when he came out of the grave, they didn't know what to do <laughs> so that no honest person could possibly review what was about to transpire and deduce from what happened to anything uh, except that Jesus did what he said he was doing. No disciple stole the body, no. I, just, I guess I'm going to pause here to say I'm amazed to see how often God's saving purposes are concealed in circumstances. If you look through the gospel, you'll see a lot of supernatural activity happening. And the more we get into the evidence, it's just the first evidence. There's no soldiers. And the soldiers are being paid off to tell a different story. So that's the first evidence, is the evidence of proof that there were not there. And they came and told the story to the religious leaders. So God alone wants to accomplish his sovereign, omnipotent power Precisely the way he wanted to. Why? So nobody can refute the truth that is Jesus is alive. Can somebody say amen? So why is the stealing of the body illogical proof? No way all 16 men could have been asleep while the disciples moved the stone and stole Jesus. When we get to the stone, you're going to see a whole lot of proof there too. Boys couldn't move that stone anyway. And these boys could be killed for allowing this to be these soldiers. The real problem here is this. If the soldiers all were sleeping, how would they know what happened anyway? So the lie is crazy. 
You're going to tell them that while y'all were sleeping, they got away? Really? Y'all all went to sleep on the job. So they're in trouble no matter how you, how you spill that. And the soldiers were proof of their. And then the number two is the stone. And I also added the seal. So what happened to the stone and the seal? Well, they would take a rope and put it between. They'd roll that stone on a trench down in front of the four to five foot opening in the rock hewn out by Joseph of Arimathea for the Lord himself. And um, maybe he had it. Maybe he owned it. Maybe he was going to use it for his own. But he gave it to the Lord. How many know it's good to give what belongs to you to the Lord? How many believe the Lord will take what you have and you'll be blessed? He'll give you more than what you gave him ever. And so anyway, he has this trench that kind of inclined and he takes this stone that was also rolled down and to cover the the the, um, the opening of the sepulcher. Why? Because many times the body is in there, right? And as the body starts to decompose, animals or different things, um, uh, prey, vultures, whatever, might would try to get into the to the tomb to uh, kind of destroy the body. So they roll that in honor of the person who's in it, right? It's an honorable thing. And Joseph of Arimathea did that. So when you got to the stone, it's missing, and the seal is gone. But they put that rope on there, then they put wax on the rope so that, first of all, you can't hardly move that stone. We'll talk about it. It's pretty heavy. And then, they, then the royal seal, so they would take the ring, and they'd put a royal seal on there just to say that this is guarded by Rome. So the Roman guard, 16 men. A big old stone's in front of it, uh, uh, a seal on the stone to make sure nobody breaks it. But when the women get there, it's all gone. So we know Pilate secured it and sealed it. And after the stone is in place, they place that rope across it, and then they put the wax in the seal and signal, uh, signal it with the official seal saying it was guarded by Rome. But when the women arrived, the stone was rolled away and the seal was broken. The fact, the fact of Scripture actually says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, and you saw it in the video when we opened up. There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. I don't know if God has a sense of humor, but I think he must. So, like, you know, this angel comes down, uh, and John says he didn't roll it back. He didn't roll it back up. He just it said, He says he removed it. Destroyed the seal and the stone, right? It was in another place. And then he sat on it like, hey, guys, what's happening? And so these women come and they, they, they experience all of this. And, uh, and obviously it's a big surprise. But Mark said this was an extremely large tomb, right, or stone. And some say 20 men could not move this stone. And I just want to pause here to, to the heart of the story. Matthew reveals the glory of the resurrection by, by the conduct of these, these two women when they come early Sunday morning. First of all, they're coming uh, in their love and their loyalty and their devotion for the Master. How many love the Lord this morning? You know, our hearts are, are hurting uh, about Jack. He's part of our home. He's part of our family. He's part of our church for many, many decades. And, and our hearts are hurting. And, and this week we're going to do that. We're going to, and so that's what these women were coming to pay, pay their respects and put some more, uh, you know, anoint him and, and just take care, make sure everything's okay. And, and how many know we're going to honor uh, the family, the, the Jack Short's family this week? We're going to honor them. 
by honoring the man of God. That's what they were doing. Love is going to be poured out early in the morning before anybody else. They arrive. It shows their love. Secondly, the messenger comes and gives a message of comfort. Say, hey, why, why are you weeping? Hey, what are you doing? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's alive, just like he said. So we try to complicate, try to, to, to get everything confusing, but it's not confusing at all. The angels, how I many know God oftentimes dispatched angels? And there's some supernatural activity going on here. Okay? First of all, Jesus comes out of the grave. When we get to this, the, uh, the clothes, the grave clothes, we're going to notice that they haven't even been touched. Just as he came through the doors when he arrives and, and, and goes uh, to the disciples, goes passing through the walls, he passed through those grave clothes sometime in the night, and he rose. I said he rose up out of that grave. I know that. He didn't, he didn't remove the stone. The ladies were there when the stone was removed. Jesus was already gone. Is anybody hearing me? So this is the activity that's happening. Jesus didn't come out like, like the, the what's that guy, the Hulk, the big green guy? Tear up the stone. I am, I am Avenger. No, no, he just, he just, whoop. He went up like Enoch and Elijah. Amen. He just went up. And, uh, and while he was going, these other things were happening. And God sent a word of comfort. Why are you weeping? And then he gives a command. Go and tell Peter and the other disciples. Go tell them what happened. He is not here. He's risen just like he said. And so the women, the third thing about these ladies is that they obeyed the command immediately. I mean, when you're grieving and when you're in shock and when you see the surprise and all this happening, an earthquake and all that, and then all of a sudden they say, okay, master, and they take off. Sometime by the time they take off and Peter and them get there, there's all kinds of other things going on, so let's keep going because I know it's pretty exciting. They went and, and, and told immediately a, a balanced heart of godly fear and joy. They, they may, may not understand it all, but they go at the command of the messenger. And then finally they, they, they went. And behold, when they got back, a risen Savior. A risen Savior. There he was, and she spoke to him. Thought he was the gardener, right? So there's this going to tell, and then the Peter and John runs back, and there's all this timeline going on. And, and I don't know what Jesus is doing. I know that, uh, I know that he had to, because the first time he saw Mary and he, and he said, do not touch me. I, I have not been glorified, you know, by the Father. So he had to take his own blood and present it before the mercy seat. But the next time, they fell and worshiped at his feet, and they were able to touch him. So he had already gone between that time. Are you all with me today? I hope you're seeing this because this is what's transpiring in just a quick flash and moment. And they got the stone, and stone's missing, and, and it's gone. And now the women arrive, and the angel of the Lord descends and rolls back the stone and sits on it, Matthew 28, 1, 2. And, uh, and it, it had to be because no man could weigh. Some say it weighed one to two tons. And uh, it covered up that four to five feet high uh, opening in the tomb. It's a large piece of rock, friends. Uh, it's kind of probably came from the Ozarks, right? Uh, but Joseph of Arimathea honored the Lord. The fact is the stone was not just rolled back in the groove. John said the stone was taken away from the tomb, John 20 and verse 1. 
And don't miss the fact that the angel just sat on it. Something supernatural is happening. So they're waiting. So how many know heaven knows what's going to happen before you do? How many believe God knew what was? None of this is a surprise to Jesus or God. The plan of God. We are earthly, and we're trying to figure out what's going on supernaturally in heaven. And that's why taking a peek at some of these evidences, this is no ordinary day. Then the tomb itself, when they entered, they didn't find the body. But suddenly two men in clothes, right, that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. And the women bowed in their face to the ground. And the men said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, Luke 24, 2 through 6. So thus far, the, the ladies get there and they look inside. There's no soldiers. There's no stone, no seal, no security uh, and the tomb. And, and there's no Jesus. I mean, oh, if, you, if Jesus was somewhere around, and in fact, when he said, Mary, and she said, Rabbi, Master, Teacher, Lord, Mary, why are you weeping? Can you imagine at that moment, her heart, it can't be, this can't be, right? And, uh, and then, then he tells her what had happened. And so they look inside, and uh, then they go to seeing the clothes that Jesus was wrapped in, the grave clothes found by Peter and John. So while Mary and them went out, Peter and John's rushing in. Peter's ahead of John. You know, he's got ADD. Peter's got ADD and a big mouth. I love, I love the Apostle Peter. He blesses me. He helps me to know I am, I am in need of a Savior, just as he was. John's a little bit more. So, so I think Peter's extroverted. John must be introverted. Or maybe, you know, he's a little bit of both. I'm not sure. I don't know who you are today, but when Jesus comes out of the grave, it should move you. Well, I'm just not very emotional. Jesus came out of the grave. I mean, my goodness. Oh, I'm just not. I know, I know he broke sin, hell, death, and the grave, but I don't want to get emotional. So, so he rose up. Nothing, nothing else is going on. He rose up through like, like a, like a, a, a caterpillar. Like there's, there just the cocoon's still in place. These grave clothes are still in place. He just, whew. and then the napkin that covered his head was on the side. And, uh, he had been moved, but the clothes, uh, if he would have been stolen by the, the disciples, the clothes would have been gone too. Right? They would have taken everything. But no, the shroud is st- sitting there as if never been touched. He just rose up. His body passed through the clothes as if it did through the walls later on. And, uh, and then Peter and John were changed forever after that one glance of the grave clothes. And Jesus appears many times after that. So number five, he appeared to many, but he in, in one case, he appeared to the disciples through the, the door, through through the wall, and they were there. But Thomas wasn't there. Remember that the first time? And Thomas, I don't know where Thomas was, but he wasn't there. But when the Peter and the disciples told Thomas, the Lord is alive. The master came to see us. Thomas said, uh, I can't believe that. I won't believe it till I, he must have been Ameri- raised American, right, by the scientific method. If I don't see it, feel it, touch it, taste it, hear it, it can't be real. I know mean, oh, you may not understand it, but it's still real. 
You can't figure it out, you buddy. Still, it's a supernatural thing, and a natural thing can never understand supernatural things. So, so the second time he came, eight days later, he walks into the wall, into the room, and Thomas is there, and he says, "Peace to all of you." Isn't that just like Jesus, isn't it? Isn't he a gentle Savior? He's still that beautiful, pleasant, gentle Savior, kind, merciful. And he greets everybody with a greeting. Peace be to all of you. And now you can say it because he is the Prince of Peace. And how many know he broke down the wall of partition between us and the enemy? Now he is really able to give us real peace indeed. So he gives them peace. And then he says, hey, Thomas, come here. Come here, buddy. I know you struggled. And maybe you're here today and you're not sure. Maybe just just searching and trying to reason through and not sure all about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I come to tell you, I am not a lawyer trying to prove the case. I mean, no, it's real. It's real by faith in the Word of God. And it's real because it's a testimony of my own life and yours. But it's real because of the scars. Thomas, come here, he said. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Look at my hands. Don't doubt me. Believe. It's really me, Thomas. And Thomas falls down and says, my Lord and my God. A magnificent statement. Not just your Jesus. You're not just Jesus. You're not just a prophet. You are my Lord and you are my God. Your creator God, sovereign God, supreme God. There is no other like you. And now Thomas gets a revelation that I hope some of you might get today before we leave. Thomas knew it was the master because of the scars. And how many know when he comes again? You see, we believe that when he came out of the grave, he came out a bodily resurrection, a supernatural body, right? It's going to be like when he comes back and we have a resurrected body, right? A spirit body. But he still has the scars and his side and his hands is still there. When he went up in Acts 1, they saw this same Jesus whom you've seen going up. This is what the angel said. This same Jesus, the way you see him going up is the way you're going to see him when he comes back. How many know that same Jesus is really coming back? Come on, does anybody believe that same Jesus that went up is really coming back? Of course, he said in John 14, I'm going to go and prepare. Everything that happened on this weekend, he talked about, he told them all about it. How many take good notes? So it's the biggest surprise to me is how come they couldn't understand and see it and believe it. Of course, we're 2,000 years on this side, so we've got to give them a little credit, right? But how can somebody here 2,000 years later with all the evidence to, to see what happened, both Old and New Testament, have any doubt that he is the risen Savior? And there's so much more, my friends. How I many know oh, Jesus is coming back again? And upon his vesture and upon his thigh will be written King of kings and Lord of lords. And they'll know it's him. They'll know it's him by the scars. Nobody else took the scars for me but him. And the story is coming to a close. It's coming to a close. How many know we're getting close to the end here? Well, there was so much more. Number six, Jesus was seen by many people. He spent several days. Not only the scar, but I think there's one more point there. Upstairs, yes, Jesus was seen by so many eyewitnesses after 40 days. 40 days. He was seen by so many people. Night and day, 
the disciples the first time, the disciples with Thomas the second time, right? Mary and the other ladies who talked to him, and he spent several days, uh, 40 in fact, twice seen in the upper room by the disciples, by the women at the tomb, by the adults, by kids, individuals and groups, in the a.m., in the p.m., and many as 500 people saw him at one time, according to Apostle Paul. Certainly all of these could have refuted the story, but they did not. All of these people, 500 witnesses. And when Paul said that, he said, and some of them are still alive today. So as you go into the book of Acts, right, after he's gone, after Pentecost, the church is alive, and those people are still alive. And guess what they're saying? No, no, I was there. I know he is living. I don't care what nobody says. Jesus is alive. And it's that same hope and it's that same faith that you and I have today. How many today have a no-so salvation? I don't know how you want to be when you get to heaven or when the Lord comes. You know, if you watch any baseball, sometimes they slide into home plate and they're waiting for the umpire. And he's there and he's ready, he's ready, he's ready to say, safe or you're out of there. Well, I'm not really a baseball fan either. Go Cardinals. But when Jesus comes for me, I don't want there to be some sort of a pause. Hey, Max, I don't want him to have to do a replay. Replay. Let's look at it again. Let's see. Oh, oh, I'm not sure. You're out of there, Ronnie. No, no. I want to be so safe. I want to know that I know. Does anybody else here want to know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Well, all you have to do is receive Jesus in your heart. It's as simple as ABC. Accept. Admit that you have sinned. I mean, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And believe. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Romans 10, 19. That Jesus Christ is alive. He's the son of the living God. That he died, he was buried, and the third day he rose again. It, that's all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. And see, confess. Confess. Father God, I need you. Without you, I am nothing. The same thing it took for Ron Moran to get saved 40 years ago is the same thing it takes somebody to get saved there's a lot of churches trying to throw a lot of tricks and a lot of gimmicks. I mean, oh, it's the same old way to come to Jesus as it always has been. You can't come in arrogance. You can't come in intellectual knowledge. You can only come in humility to the king, admitting that he is Lord, as Thomas did. And the last question is, so what, Pastor? So what? I mean, there's so many proofs here because he's risen, just as he said, right? One writer said, if every witness who saw Jesus were brought to court and given five minutes each to speak, it would amount to 50 hours of testimony that he truly is alive. 50 hours. But we can say with certainty, Jesus is alive, mostly because he lives within my Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Do you know it? Eternal hallelujahs. Jesus Christ the King. Sing it with me. The help 
for all who seek him, the hope for all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. Sing! Christ Jesus lives today. He walked with me and talked with me. You ask me how I know he lives. He within. Give God praise, would you? That's the best way I can tell it. I want you to know, friends, there was no piano, there was no guitar, just my pure, eloquent voice. We can say amen. So what, Pastor? So what? What difference does it make? Chrissy, if you guys would come back to the platform, I just want to tell you the effects of this are very important in our life. Number one, it affects our past. How many thank God Jesus took care of sin? On the cross, the power of sin was broken. The penalty, the penalty for sin was paid. Anybody here grateful he paid the price? When you and I couldn't get there on our own, Jesus took care of it with his own blood. And now it's been broken. And now, because he came out of the grave, he conquered death, and he broke the power of death. The power of the resurrection is we still die, but the death doesn't hold us down because it could not hold him down. And because he lives, you and I have hope for tomorrow. That's what it means. Say, Pastor, we believe in the resurrection. Why do we still die? Why did Jack have to die? Same reason you and I die, because the Word of God says it's appointed under, uh, under man once to die, and then the judgment. And then the judgment. So we're all going to stand before God. If you're here today and you don't have the Lord, I showed you a simple way to come to Christ. Just admit. Admit all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and, ju- and, just, <laughs> and just believe. God has sympathy and empathy on Thomas. He said, hey, hey, said, I know you're struggling with believing. I know you're struggling with your commitment. But come here. Touch me. Come here. It's me. It's really me. I know you saw me die, but I'm no longer dead. I'm very much alive. And then confess your sin, and he will come. He took care of it. How many know he broke the power of death? He took care of our past life by forgiving us and freeing us from sin. And secondly, our present life. Say how, Pastor? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Now he gives us that same power that was used to raise him has been used for us to live our daily lives. How many know there's resurrection power in the Lord? I said the power of the Holy Spirit gives us resurrection power to overcome the enemy. Hey, that's shouting ground for the believer. In your present, now you can live with God, be seated with him in heavenly places because sin and death and hell has been defeated. And then finally, our future. When he comes, and how many believe he's coming? said, Behold, I go and prepare a place before you that where I am you can be also. If it were not so, Pastor Mark, if it wouldn't have been so, I would have told you. I'm not here to trick you. I really did die. I really was buried. And I really did come to life. And guess what? 
I really am sitting at the right hand of the majesty praying for you. And, and really, listen, I will come again to get you and bring you to me. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? Friends, that's the gospel, really, our future. Because he lives, we too can face tomorrow. We too have hope to rise again. Either by way of the rapture or by way of the grave, we will be raised. That's why earlier in the service I said Jack went to Resurrection Sunday early. Jack, his father passed away when he was 13 years old of a massive heart attack, just like Jack. It's hereditary maybe. But just the fact is that death is hereditary. But before Jesus came out of the grave, I mean, we didn't have the hope we have today. Yes, yes, we'll all answer. But the death is no more the enemy. I said the death is no more the enemy. I said there ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Hallelujah. So, so, so I said, I believe he's coming and I believe you're going. And if you believe that, then we can celebrate this Easter. Hope you have a great time with your family today. But most importantly, Jesus guaranteed it because he's the first fruits. He went first. And now we don't fear death. We don't fear death at all. The resurrection is not just a once a year tradition. Of all the doctrines of the Bible, the most valuable, most valuable. For if Jesus didn't rise, like he said, how in, you, how in the world are you and I going to trust him about anything else he said? He is alive. And that's why Satan wants you to to doubt it. That's why Satan wants you to be confused about it. And it's too simple. With all these evidences, all you have to do is place your faith in Jesus, the Son of the living God. Before we call you to the altar, I just want to tell you there were three crosses on Golgotha that day. Three. But the one man in the middle, how many know he took care of death, hell, and the grave? So one cross, there was a man on, on the right side. He rejected Christ, and therefore that day he died in sin. But the thief on the other side of Jesus, he received Christ, and that day he was with the Lord in paradise. But the one in the middle, how many know he took care of it for all of us? I wish somebody just lift your hands for the man in the middle who takes care of sin, death, hell, and the grave. Father God, I thank you today for your church. Early that Sunday morning, lots of evidence is pointing to the fact that you are alive. But more important than all of that is what I feel in this place this morning. And we're left with these questions. Will we accept him? Will we reject him? Will we neglect him? Or will we worship him? We're going to go to the altar. If you're here today and you've never... Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't know of a greater day than Easter Sunday to give your heart to Jesus. Amen? And so we want to pray with you. I also want our prayer partners to come. Because with all of the heaviness, with all the things going on this week, uh, as we're praying for Josie and Shirley and and Becky and many, many others uh, this morning. Prayer partners, I need you to move, move this way if you don't mind. Thank you. Thank you. Melissa, you can help us as well. And maybe you're here and you want to give your heart to Christ, but you're ashamed. You can wait. You can wait. You don't have to be ashamed. How many know Jesus said, if you'll be ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. 
So we are all sinners who came to Christ. I said we all came to Jesus the same way. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for you. Say, Brother Ron, it's Easter. I might darken the doors of the church once or twice a year, Easter and Christmas. I don't know what the church is like if it's decorated with Easter lilies or Christmas poinsettias. And that's okay. Maybe you're... Maybe your life is, is, is never understood, or maybe you don't have time for God. Maybe you're neglecting God. I don't think anybody would want to reject Jesus. But by not accepting Jesus, you're saying, I'm neglect. I don't really care to live my life for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and say, Brother Ron, I want to rededicate my life to God. I want to get my thing in my heart right with God. I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand in the air and put it right back down. Anybody this morning in the, the main floor? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anybody else on the main floor, on the, in the balcony? Anybody? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Come on, church, pray. Three people have raised their hand this morning. They want to make it right. Come on. Come on, let's make it right. Let's make it right. Come on, it might be another year before I see you. You, might have make, you need to make it right. Make it right. Do I have time for Jesus? Do I have room for Jesus in my heart? And maybe you hear and you're confused. Mentally, physically, spiritually, you're wore out. Tired, sick, hurting, grieving, whatever it is. We're going we're to worship the Lord. we got four minutes. If you will come, we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. And we can believe in the miracle. I mean, oh, supernatural God can move in this place today. Because he is alive and he's here. The Lord bless you. Chrissy, let's worship the Lord. You move as the Holy Spirit directs you, my friends. God bless. your heart stretch your hand to gene over here double infection in his eyes right over here he has done great things come on think about it lift him up You chose that last one and you come to worship. Make you an altar. Come on. Lift your hands. Let's give him praise. Let's give him worship this morning. Father, we receive you. We believe you. We adore you. We worship you this morning.